Hello, everybody. Welcome to Therapy Dog Talk. My name is Sherry. My pup's names are Sunny and Riley. And each week we talk with different therapy dog teams and researchers around the world about the impact that they're making in their area. If you're just getting started or you're not sure where to get started, we have a free guide for you that you can find at freeguide.therapydogtalk.com. And we also have a community you can join at community.therapydogtalk.com. Today we have a guest who's been recommended to us by a couple of longtime viewers around here, including Paula and Lily. And I'm really excited for you to meet Kim Fontaine of Animal Assisted Therapy Service in Massachusetts. Hi. Hi. Let me just adjust my camera a little. Sure. The dog's very happy to be here. Oh. Well, good to finally meet you. Yeah. It's nice to meet you. I know Paula and Lily have said you need to be on here so many times, so I'm glad we could finally make it happen. All right. Sounds good. Awesome. Well, for those who don't know you, would you like to introduce yourself and your pup? Absolutely. So my name is Kim. I'm the president of Animal Assisted Therapy Services in Massachusetts. I've got Tomo next to me. He is a almost three-year-old American Akita. And Tomo means friend in Japanese because I knew when I got him that he was going to be my next therapy dog. So we went with something that was a really great name that everyone would enjoy. I love that you have Akitas. This is the first time we've had Akitas on Therapy Dog Talk. Yes, they're definitely an unusual breed. They're usually a one-dog person. They are on the bad dog list for most home insurance companies. But what I tell others when they're like, oh my gosh, I want one. I'm like, well, hold on, pump the brakes a little. It's nature and nurture. So if you're going with a breeder, make sure they're a very, very reputable breeder. I would recommend going to the American Kennel Club and searching for a reputable reader on that website or with the Parent Club, which is the Akita Club of America. And Nurture is number two. So make sure that you find a really great trainer and they're going to put you in the right direction to make sure these guys are very well socialized from a young age. Yeah, I think that's so important. I know we had Kimby and Casey on here a while ago and Kimby is a GSP. And so <laughs> they're like, oh, I'm going to GSP. And she's like, Hold the phone. Like, right. This is not your average GSP. <laughs> right. Exactly. He is a wonderful ambassador for the breed, but he is not always the breed standard of, you know, the temperament characteristics. He's a very good dog. Yeah. Yeah. And he seems really sweet. I love his name, too. That's awesome. So how did you originally find out about therapy dogs? I actually started doing therapy dog visits when I was about 12 years old. I was a junior handler for another organization in Massachusetts. I kind of took a little hiatus as I went to college and purchased my first home. And then when I had my home and I got my next dog, I was like, you know what? Let's get back into this. The dog that I had, beautiful dog, but didn't didn't start that way as a rescue, as many stories go. And through working with this dog, I actually earned my dog trainer certification. When I apprenticed, I apprenticed with Animal Assisted Therapy Services in Connecticut. And we got along so well that they said, why don't you start one in Massachusetts? So it all came full circle in the end. That's really awesome. What was your first reaction when they said, why don't you start your own? Were you really excited about that? Gosh, I was in my 20s, so it was not what I expected. Like, I'm happy to be a leader, but also happy to be a follower. So to tackle all of this myself, and I'm so glad that I had their help and support navigating 501c3, creating the business. It was quite a lot of paperwork. But definitely worth it in the end. Yeah, that's awesome. And you have quite a few teams with you now, right? We are still small, I would say. We've got about 50 therapy dog teams. We have about half a dozen that are ready to test next week. And we also have two therapy cats. I'm not a cat trainer. You definitely can't ask me any of those questions. 
but we do have a cat test and we're really, really proud of the cats that we have. They're pretty, pretty unique. They're kind of like breathing stuffed animals. You just place it there and it stays there. It's very calm and gentle. That's awesome. I love that. Very cool. And you do training as well, right? Yeah, we do dog training. So I'm also an AKC evaluator, which is quite common. And we offer AKC classes for the community. But if you want to go from puppy all the way to therapy dog, we can offer that too. Very cool. Kim, what is it that you look for in your dogs when you're selecting a dog to become a therapy dog or when you're looking at dogs who are interested in your program? That's a great question. So many times people will ask me, well, especially I get a lot of police officers that are looking to get a police comfort dog. And the labs that we have in this area are fantastic. I have to give a shout out to Boonfield Labradors. They're amazing. But I also think it's really great to have a unique breed of dog, something that maybe isn't so common that people might not have at home, which is what drew me to Akia's. But again, to know that you're getting the right nature and then nurture with that breed of dog. So I do encourage people to get a unique dog. You might think of like a French bulldog. I know a French bulldog that works at a correctional facility. And that's just something you would never expect or anticipate. So it's just like the most adorable little thing. And of course, as all Frenchies do, it stores away when you're in the middle of a meeting. But that's definitely a great icebreaker too, to be able to talk about a different breed of dog. I think we're very good with our training process. So as long as the dog is no aggressive with any major behavioral issues, we're happy to work with you. We get a lot of dogs that are very excited around people. They love people. So we just tone it back a little bit. But I'd rather have a dog that's too happy, too excited than the other end of the spectrum. Yeah, absolutely. It's hard to train a dog to like people. Actually, I'd say it's impossible really <laughs> yeah. but beyond that really working with them to become more comfortable or to calm down is totally possible if they want to interact with people right and we're very blessed now in what 2023 with animal assisted therapy being so widespread my mom has a therapy dog in her dentist's office in florida and she says that patients will specifically ask when is the dog going to be here so that way they can go have their dental appointment So, you know, the dog doesn't have to like everyone. We have so many different applications where it could be good with children and not with the elderly or great with the elderly and not with children. They could be good in busy environments like colleges or quiet environments like nursing homes. So it's really beautiful that you can kind of find what your dog enjoys best and then you can work with that community. Yeah, definitely. Thinking back to when you first became a therapy dog team, was there anything in that journey that really surprised you? Oh, goodness. Well, I know it was the very, very first time I became a therapy dog team. I was about 12 years old. So the fact that that existed blew my mind. And then as I came back with the dog I started the nonprofit with, her name was Kiva. We were then shocked again about how widespread therapy dog work is now. And I love that. Some of the jobs that we do on a regular basis are working within our local school districts. That's something I always wish I had. I definitely would have loved a dog in guidance. So it's really awesome that we're able to do so many different things. And as I was messaging you earlier today, I just got out of prison on a visit. So we're able to go and we visit a couple of units within our local jail and we bring the dog in. So we work specifically with the mental health unit. And then we also work in the program for inmates that are struggling or have been struggling with substance abuse. So those are our main focuses when we go to that facility. 
Yeah, that's very cool. We've had a couple other forensic therapy dogs on here before, and it's always really interesting hearing their stories. You've had so many different experiences. Is there a story that stands out to you as like an example of why you really enjoy doing this work? Yes, I do. I mean, of course, there's always so many, but if I could just pinpoint one of them, it was with my first dog he got in. We're also members of another organization, so to give a plug to them, it's canine first responders. And what they do is they travel across the nation whenever there's a critical incident. Our main focus is on the first responders. And we were deployed to Washington, D.C. for the line of duty death of a U.S. Capitol Police officer. So we were there before, during, and after the funeral services, making sure we were checking in with everyone. And what we found that was remarkable was, you know, also we're stationed in the Capitol Rotunda. So we have the House and the Senate on either side of us. And everyone was coming into the Rotunda to see the dog. So, yes, we were there for the Capitol Police, but it was also so much bigger than that. It was yeah. also, I think, maybe a year after the January 6th incident. Okay. So the Capitol was still shut down. There were no tours. There were no forests. There were no visitors. Yeah. So we had the whole entire place to ourselves. And the Capitol Police, they were absolutely wonderful. And they were able to take us to areas that maybe we would not see with the tour guide, which was really interesting and unique. And the way that we were able to impact them was quite profound. They actually had one, if not two, therapy dogs that work there now. Okay, that's very cool. What advice do you have for someone who's interested in becoming a therapy dog team? Oh, if that advice, gosh. Well, you know what? I think it's if it hits you, like that eureka moment, you know, or you find that you have a dog that's too good, like it has to be shared with the community, you should go for it. <laughs> Absolutely. Definitely find a really great training organization. And I know a lot of people, they join the national groups as well. So I want to give a plug to the local groups as A-T-S-M-A is for Massachusetts. So check in with your local groups too. As much as we love the national groups, they also abide by bigger national-wide levels of rules and regulations, whereas a small local community might be able to offer some differences. So one big example is my dog is also a show dog, so he's an intact dog. So we do allow that. And I know some groups do not. And we also follow a raw diet and many groups don't allow that as well. So if you have those particular questions, definitely ask your organization before them. And of course, always the big one is insurance. If they are able to show you what their document looks like, or you can always maybe get an addendum in your homeowner's insurance as well. See what they offer. Yeah, I love that. What are some of the things that you learned in starting a therapy dog organization? I did learn a lot about insurance. <laughs> there were a lot of questions that I had, a lot of companies that I had gone through, a lot of phone interviews. So we are still learning with the therapy dog world of where does it break through as being recreation or profession? Is it something that's assisting you within your medical practice? We do have some doctors that have therapy dogs that have gone through our program. So that was probably the biggest hurdle. With the IRS paperwork, I feel like that was surprisingly straightforward. And the next hurdle that we're going through now is our tax filing as a 501c3. Okay. So those are the business aspects of the therapy dog organization. Yeah. And when did you start? At 2018. Okay. Do you call so it about our five-year anniversary? We're still quite new. ATS in Connecticut, they've been around 10 to 15 years. So they've, they've had quite a foothold. It was started with an educator who wanted to bring her dog to school. 
Okay. I believe she said raw diet as well. So certain organizations weren't allowing her to join because of those things. And she's like, I'm going to do my own thing. So now we have Connecticut and Massachusetts. And Connecticut, I believe, still offers an equine program as well. Okay. Very cool. That's awesome. I know I see Honey's mini therapy adventures in here, and she is a mini therapy horse. I love it. I <laughs> think that's so great. I have two horses of my own, but they're my own personal emotional support at this time. We're not quite ready to tackle that yet. It's quite the undertaking. Yeah, I was really impressed with everything she shared about what they have to do to bring the horses in. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. What are some of the things you've learned about volunteering with Akitas? Well, there's stigma. There certainly is. And so as much as I love having those different breeds of dogs, I do let people know I'm training a Rottweiler right now, you know, that people are going to look at you and be like, oh, that's not a therapy dog. That's scary. And so you have to have that kindness and that grace within your heart to be able to show them the good sides of those breeds, Mm -hmm. to be able to break those barriers that people will have, you know, those stereotypes about certain dog breeds. So I think with but my dogs in particular, and this is a breed characteristic of Akitas, is they're very aloof. So it's not a golden where it's like, hi, I'm here. Come pet me. They're like, I'm here. You may pet me now. Or some people are like, oh, he doesn't like me. And I'm like, no, no, no. He's just looking out the window. It's fine. You could totally pet him. So he might not be as joyful and cuddly as you might picture a golden retriever to be. But I know that he loves his job. He's always, and I could tell with my first dog too, even when she was of an old age like still like kind of pulling me into the building. So I know like this is where you want to be. Yeah, I was going to ask how you know then that they enjoy doing the work. Yeah, pulling me into the buildings. There'll be some times where he's goofy and silly. We have a video that's sort of semi going viral right now. We were actually honored at our minor league baseball team, which is the Worcester Red Sox. And their mascot is a dog. And as we were honored on the fields, the mascots there and the dogs cuddling with the mascot. And of course, the thing's 100 pounds. Though the mascot is not ex- expecting this and kind of fell over. But then it turned into like both dogs are rolling on the floor and being silly. And it's just a super, super adorable, ridiculous video. That was our moment. I love that. That's great. I've never have to go find that. I haven't seen that. <laughs> yeah. That's very cool. Ken, what is it that you wish more people knew about therapy dogs? I think, you know, if people know what a therapy dog is, you know, for example, oh, I have Fluffy that works in my school. I think what I'm finding, though, is they're like, I know what a therapy dog is. It's okay for me to just come up and pet it. And yeah, my dog's fine, but we'd put like some warning or, you know, Fluffy at your school, he might be okay if you pull on his ears, but maybe this dog is not. So even though someone may know that therapy dogs are for the public, they're community dogs, to always ask. And that's something that I always put out to the students when I'm educating them in the school districts. Yeah, that's great. Well, it's kind of the opposite to your question. So even though I know that therapy dog, they you want to take their respect. Yeah, I just ask questions. Where you want to take them is totally up to you. Molly Rose is curious if you did more training than the CGC. What is it that you really look for in training? Yes, that's a great question. I love that. Thank you so much. So because we are our own organization and not a national organization, that means we have to make our own test. And that's another thing I like to educate people on is there's no driver's license. You don't take the standardized test, acquire your driver's license, and you're like, I did it. I'm good. I've passed. Everybody is different. So when we were formulating our test, we start with the CGC as a prerequisite. That's a great foundational course. Love it. 
But for our final therapy dog test, what we did is we incorporated the CGCA, CGCU, public access tests, and then also some therapy-specific skills like clumsy petting or hugging from children, just things that you know that are going to happen at some course throughout your therapy dog career. So yeah, we have CGCA, CGCU, public access, and therapy dogs. So when people take our test, it's point scale. So if you get 100% on that, then you're also going to be getting your CGC titles, those additional titles. Okay. Or you can say, you know what, like for those, you have to be without treats. And you're like, you know what, I just need to get this test through. We might need some treats. Because handlers get nervous too. So yeah. um, we always offer the opportunity to retake those tests. We recertify every two years. So you always have opportunities to continue to grow with your titles. Yeah. Where do you find that people need the most work when it comes to taking those tests? It depends on the team. Some teams struggle with elevators. Some teams do not. I think our training program makes sure that when you get to the test, everyone is comfortable and confident and ready. All of our classes take place at different locations in the public. So you might have a class at Home Depot. You might have a class at a brewery where there's food trucks and kids and dogs or at a public park nearby. So we start small and then scale it up to the more highly distracting locations. And that way, when you come to their test, which is usually Cabela's, Bass Pro, like a busier location, a big store with elevators, then our teams are really feeling strongly about passing. That's great. For teams or interested teams who are not in Massachusetts, because obviously (laughs) if you're Massachusetts, you think you should look at them or they should look at you. But what do you think they should look for in terms of a trainer or an organization? So the national ones, that's an obvious answer. They're always a great resource. But then also to think about those particulars, you know, is my dog a show dog? Does it need to remain intact? Because show dogs are wonderful therapy dogs. They're very used to the community and going to events and dog shows with other animals in proximity and kids. So just because they're, you know, have reproductive organs, I don't think that should discourage them from being therapy dogs. So if you have any other particulars, such as like rock eating diet, but also see if you're able to look at their test, you know, and I think one of my biggest questions is how often do you recertify these dogs? I do know of some groups that they will give you a test over a weekend and that's it. You're good for the rest of your life. And that's certainly something we're not about. We're always about, you know, ongoing training opportunities. We get out within the public and the community as much as we can for events. And we think that it never ends. Learning and training never ends. Yeah. If someone's looking for a trainer for therapy dog work, what do you recommend they look for in that? There's a couple of resources on akc.org. You can look at therapy dog organizations or CGC evaluators. And I think that's a great starting point. But if you're able to find a therapy dog group that you like, you can ask them. Sometimes I get a lot of questions about service dogs. And we have a couple service dog communities here. But I also say, if they're not going to you know, be able to do the service you need, ask them who might. So even though this trainer might not be within your area, ask if they know someone else that could help. Yeah, that's great. Well, Kim, is there anything else that you wanted to share while you're here? Oh, gosh. Yeah, I think I do. I'm in the middle of a visit right now. So I started out in prison today and now I'm visiting my hospice clients. So that's why I have such a sterile background. I'm like in an office here. And then I'm heading off to the 
residential school for troubled boys over probably about 30 miles away from here. So I think what's important to share is that there is almost an application for therapy dogs in just about every aspect that you can think of. And I do train a lot of police comfort dogs as well. I think we've got a couple of fire dogs that are on board, which is going to be really great. The crisis response, critical incident is something really near and dear to our hearts. But you find what your dog loves and then you go for it. And there are so many facilities and locations out here that are graciously looking for therapy dogs. I would say the best way for you to gain experience is treat your dog, whether it's a puppy or an adult dog, treat it as a working dog. As much as we love our pets, this dog has a job. When you're going out for your walk, bring your treats with you and work on that loose leash walking. In our group, we call it the weird walk. So we have a certain weird setup for it. But treat your dog as a working dog. You're going on a hike and you might stop in the middle of the hike and do some obedience skills. To keep all of that really up, it's going to be the first thing that the client sees is when you're exiting your car and navigating the parking lot and walking into the building. Is there a dog tugging through the threshold? So those are a lot of things that we work on. And you can do that every single day. You don't have to wait to be in a facility to work on things. You made me think of something else as you were going through the list of places that you're going today. Yeah, but ask this today. Tomorrow's a different day with a whole different set of skills. (laughs) How much does Toma work per week? And how do you decompress? How do you kind of recover between visits and everything? So he's decompressing right now by taking a nap. <laughs> so it's not that he's, you know, out of an eight hour day, he's not working all eight hours. But this is also his job that he's been raised from a puppy to do. So he'll probably work no more than five hours in a day. But again, there are breaks in between that. So it's absolutely not consecutive unless mm-hmm. it's a current coincidence or grief counseling or something quite rare. But uh, his decompression is napping. So when we go home, they're like, oh, you take the best off and he runs around and plays. I'm like, no, he sleeps and he has <laughs> leave me alone for a moment. Then I do that too. I just go home and, and sleep as well. We also are really big on chews. So he loves turkey necks or those yak cheese. He loves those. So chewing helps him to, to de-stress. And he's a strong napper. So he's picked up <laughs> on when I'm talking, then, you know, especially when I'm reading a story to the children, he just just cock out for a couple of minutes. I love it. I love it. And you have another pup in training, right? Yes. So that dog, it's a Japanese Akita. So again, I'm sticking with the Akita breed. And that dog is a rescue. So she's all doesn't have so much the nature that my dog's in the breeder does. So there I do find the differences between the two. And that was kind of my objective is because I wanted to educate students. We deal with a lot of school districts and I want to educate them, you know, what is a rescue? What is a puppy mill? What is a reputable breeder? Because oh, I got my dog here. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, so just educating the students on choices that they have when they're getting their next best friend. Yeah. And that puppy, yeah, she's just been work. I'm not going to lie. So she's missing the the nature element. So we have to do a lot more nurture. So she gets a little bit more training than than this one did. But everyone's an individual. And so we, we go with the flow. We find that the more she works, the better she is. So she's a dog that wants a job, the dog that needs a job. She would not be a couch dog. Not for her. That's great. I love that. Yeah, I always say, and I know it doesn't mean they're easy, but I always say like making sure they're bred for the traits that you're looking for is like the cheat code to their yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's just there's some things that you just don't need to do that way. And we talk about we talk about too, like even within the same breed, knowing what that particular lineage was bred for. Exactly. With that, exactly. 
with Labradors, you have gun dogs, you have guide dogs. They're not bred for the same thing. Right. Yeah. Perfect. The puppy that I have now, I have no lineage on. So we're we're growing and we're learning all together. She is a bit of a challenge, but I also think that pushes me as a dog trainer. Yeah. And I do find that she enjoys therapy work because if it was that for her, I would not push her to do that. Mm-hmm. But I think that she she absolutely loves the attention. She loves interacting with clients. She actually plays tug with one of my hospice clients. I worry about him because she really tugs sometimes, but it's the biggest smile he's ever had. Yeah, he, he has such a blast playing tug with the puppy. Oh, I love that. I love that. Yeah, both of mine are rescues. So I feel like it's different because you don't know as much about their past or anything like that. But but that definitely doesn't discredit them. And again, I started this whole entire company with a five-year-old rescue. So you don't have to have that perfect pick of the litter. You know, you work within what you Awesome. Well, Kim, if people want to follow along or check out AATS, where can they find you? We have our website. It's A-A-T-S-M-A for Massachusetts.org. Most of our dogs have Instagram handles, so I'll have to link those up at some point. And we do have Instagram and Facebook. Again, we've got that video that's kind of going all over the place with the dog and the mascot from the baseball game. But you can generally find us. It's A-A-T-S-M-A.org. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time and sharing your experience today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a great time. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Have a great day. All right. You too. Bye. Take care.